You're listening to the Weekly Parsha Podcast with Ari Goldwag, recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramapi Chemish Israel 5782, 2021. This week's Parsha is Parsha Svayichi. It's the final Parsha, the final Parsha of Sefer Bereshis, the book of Genesis. And we go out with a bang from the book of Genesis, with the brachas of Yaakov Avinu, Jacob's blessings to his sons, the tribes, the very last years, the last 17 years of Yaakov Avinu's life, and the Pasuk tells us, He lived those last 17 years. He had sought, 22 years before, he had sought to live a life of serenity, but only at this point in his, in his life, the last 17 years of his life, did he sit nearby. He had his son Yosef, his sons had reconciled, the Jewish people was now beginning to sh- take shape. And they were in Egypt, and they had a plentiful life. They had all that they needed. And Yaakov Avinu indeed had these last 17 years of serenity. The Medrash tells us as follows. And some of this will sound familiar. However, I'd like to ask a few questions about this, try to understand something. There's something very powerful, which the Medrash teaches us. Lama Parsha it's a very famous issue. Rashi brings it up. Usually between the parshas, between the sections of the Torah, so you have a space between the parshas. You start a new parsha, parshas. Noyach, Lech Lech, Vayer, Chaisar, told us, you start a new parsha, there's a space in the Torah itself. If you look in the Torah scroll, there's a space between the parshas. But if you look in a Torah scroll, our parsha begins without a space. Vayechi Yaakov, he lives in the land of Egypt for 17 years. So, the Pasuk continues on from the end of, the, of Parsha Svayigash without any break. So, whenever we have something like this in the Torah, something unusual, whether it's something based on the Mesorah, something from our, from our sages, so we need to know, obviously, there's a reason why it was done this way. There's a reason that the Torah is written this way. Our Torah is written, it's letter for letter, precisely as it was written 3,300 years ago by God Himself, Mount Sinai, by Moshe Rabbeinu, by Moses, you know, Hashem communicated it through him. So, if it's written this way, we need to understand why. So, why is it written this way? Why is it closed? Why is the connection closed between the end of last week's Parsha and the beginning of this week's Parsha? So, the Medrash offers us three different possibilities as to why that, that might be, why we could, how we could explain it. One aspect of the closing, of the reason that it's closed, is because the Parsha, our Parsha, is going to describe the death of Yaakov Avinu. And once Jacob died, once he passed on from the world, so the, the Shibud Mitzrayim could begin. As the Mephorshim point out, it didn't actually begin until all the 70 that came down with Yaakov, the brothers, their children, those 70 who came down with Yaakov, after all of them died, that's when the the Shibud, the um, enslavery, the fact that the Jews were enslaved, that's when it began. But there is a beginning here with Yaakov's death. That's why it's Sussum. Something that's Sussum is something that's closed. You know, ordinarily, as our sages tell us, when there's a space in the Torah, it's because God taught a certain concept to Moshe Rabbeinu, to Moses, and He wanted him to, to pause, to reflect. And when we read the Torah, we're supposed to pause and reflect on the concept here. But there's a, the, the closure, the fact that there's no pause, 
There's not a moment. We think about what does it mean to become Meshubadim, to be enslaved to Paro. It means that it's something that, the way the Yitzhahara gets us, the evil inclination, how does he get us? How did Paro, how is he able to enslave the Jewish people? It was without giving them a space for pause. Perhaps we could explain it that way. So that's the first explanation. Now the Mephoshim point out that in this explanation, and the next one, Yaakov Avinu, in this Pesach, is not dying yet. Vayichi Yaakov Eretz Mitzrayim, talking about the fact that he lived another 17 years, and he's going to call in his sons, he's going to call in Yosef, Ephraim, and Manasseh, give them blessings, he calls in his sons, and he blesses them all. But this is the beginning of the end. That we can certainly say. And that's, that's in the Pashup Shat. But I'd like to understand it on a deeper level as well. What is the idea, if we're not talking about his death, why are we talking about his death? Clearly the Medrash is saying that this is closed over here because he's about to die and the Shibit is about to begin. What is the, what is the teaching here? Tavar Acher, second point. Lama Histuma. Why indeed is it closed? Why is there no space between the end of Vayigash and the beginning of Vayichi? And the Shibikesh Yaakov of Yenolagalis is a case this is the famous reason Yaakov wanted to reveal the end when Mashiach is going to come or maybe when excuse me, when the Geulah Mitzrayim is supposed to occur the Jewish people knew that they were supposed to be there in fact, Avram Avinu was told they would be there for 400 years when do you start counting the 400 years from Lomai said they were only there for 210 years, etc Yaakov Avinu wanted to reveal when the end was going to come Maybe the end of Shiva Mitzrayim, maybe the end of the entire Golas, when, when the third temple would be built. Not clear exactly what he wanted to reveal, but it was Nistamimenu. The fact that the Torah is closed here, the fact that there's no space between the parshas means that he wasn't able to reveal it. The question we could ask is, why did he want to reveal it at this point? Also, he's not yet dying. It's talking about, as, as we said, it's not yet, he's not yet dying. He's dying 17 years after this. So what is the idea, or sometime after this, what is the idea of him desiring to reveal the Kates, to reveal the end in this context? And the third explanation, which is one that I don't remember hearing, so something new, something new for me, maybe it's new for you. Says the Medrash, and this is the one that makes sense at this point, according to one explanation. This, this point in time, as he came down to Mitzrayim, and he rejoined with his son Yosef, all the brothers were together again. They lived in the land of Goshen, in tranquility, in peace, serenity. Those last 17 years of his life were the end of his troubles. He no longer had any difficulties. He lived finally at the end of his life last 17 years from the age of 130 to 147 he lived a life of serenity surrounded by his sons Yosef was the leader his grandchildren they lived in their own space in Eretz Goshen they were able to develop as a nation spiritually studying the Torah etc so because the difficulties ended it's, a, it's signified by the fact that there's no space between the end of last week's parsha and the beginning of this week's parsha, because finally Yaakov reached that that place, that emotional spiritual place, where he could indeed enjoy the fruits of his whole life, his life of challenges. Finally, the challenges came to an end. Now, these three pshatim, the three explanations of the medrash, 
seem to be just three different disjointed explanations. But I'd, I'd like to try to understand how perhaps they are related, how perhaps they are conjoined. Now, I want to read one more piece, and that's the next piece in the Medrash. And it speaks about something very important. And I'd like to, perhaps, once we understand this point, we can understand the entire idea. The Medrash tells us, about The days of Israel came to die. Yaakov Avinu was called Yisrael, he's called Israel. It was coming close, his death was coming near. Ksiv, the verse says, Ki the Pasuk refers to the fact that, the, that we are like strangers in the land. Human beings, our life is limited. We live on the earth. We have a certain amount of time that's allotted to us that we live. And that's it. Katsel our days are like a shadow. Says the Medjah and we can't even say that we're, our days are like the shadow of a, of a wall or the shadow of a tree, which is pretty yetziv, it's pretty stable. And like it's We are just like, our lives are just like the shadow of a bird that's flying by. It's just, it's, it's there for a moment and it's gone. The chsiv kitzel over, like the verse says in Tehillim, and we quote this verse in, in the Yom Kippur davening, we refer to our lives like a like a cloud that dissipates, like a wind that blows. That's how our you know a person's life is quick. A person's life. How long are we here for? How permanent are our accomplishments? The end of the verse says there's no hope. No one can hope not to die. Everyone knows where they're headed. Everyone can admit that they're going to die. Avram Amar. Now the Medrash says that there were three. We had the Avis Oilam, Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, when he came to speaking about death. So Avram doesn't want to talk about death. What does he say? He refers to the fact before Yitzchak is born, he refers to the fact that he is going childless. He's going to die. He doesn't, refer, he doesn't mention the fact that he's going to die. He doesn't want to say, I'm going to die childless, heaven forbid. Right, but he mentions the fact that he's going to that he's childless. He says, "I will bless you in front of Hashem before I die." Right, so Yitzchak also it actually turned out to be quite some time before he would pass away when he gave the blessings to Esav and Yaakov. But he doesn't refer to the fact that he's going to die. He says, "I want to bless you before I die." He doesn't refer to the fact that he is going to die. He doesn't refer to it directly. However, Yaakov says explicitly that he's going to die. He says, I will sleep with my, with my forefathers. Only at a specific point. When did Yaakov say it? Avram and Yitzchak didn't say it. They were way before the point of saying it. But Yaakov Avinu was able to say it because he was so close to his actual time of death. Therefore, he was able to refer to the fact that he would die. Now, uh, you know, we believe in the idea of, you know, ayin hara. We don't want to say something. So be careful about what we say because the power of our words can bring something into reality. We don't speak about a person dying. We, if we say something about dying, we say chas v'shalom, heaven forbid. Right? So we're accustomed to this concept. But I believe that the Medrash is saying something more and something deeper here. 
And I want to understand what is the problem. Why don't we mention? Why don't we want to talk about the day of death? We do find that our Chazal say, our sages tell us, that a person is obligated to remember when a person is facing off with a sin. A person feels like they're going to be pulled into sin. So one of the things, one of the eights, the advice that our sages give us, is to remember the day of death. Remember that one day, this body is going to be under the earth, and I'm going to have to face judgment. I'm going to have to face the heavenly tribunal. So, so we see that there is such a concept. We do need to be aware of the day of our death. We do need to be aware of the fact that our life is fleeting. But still, we don't want to say these words that Yaakov said that he's going to sleep with his fathers. He was only able to say such a thing when he was about to die. What is the depth of this? What is the teaching of this? So, in thinking about the questions from before and this question, I was reminded of what happened with Yosef at Sadiq. We know that Yosef had a dream. And in his dream, he saw something that would not occur for 22 years. He saw his brothers bowing down to him. He saw that he was going to be someone, they're, they're, the sheaves, they bowed down to him, representing the fact that he would be someone who would provide them with sustenance. He saw the stars, which represented his brothers, etc. He saw all of these things. He saw his father bowing down to him. He was to be the leader. He saw the Cates. He saw his own personal redemption. He saw where he was going to be, where he was headed. What happened when he revealed that? What happened when he spoke to his brothers? Because it was no gad to them. It wasn't just a... a, uh, a it wasn't just a dream, a prophecy that touched on him. It was something that touched upon his brothers as well. If he was being revealed to him, it was something that needed to be revealed to them as well. It was, it was a dream that touched them as well. And indeed it was a dream that would come true. And they would, they would experience the, the reality of that dream in all of its difficulty, in all of its challenges, through the challenge that Yosef with divine inspiration, as I understand it, put them through the challenge of having to go back to their father, bring Binyamin, stand up for Binyamin, etc. But all of this was part of the dream coming true. Now when we think about that, we realize what is the challenge, the difficulty of revealing the Cates. Just like Yosef revealed the Cates, and it was Nisgalgal because of his revelation of what's going to be Yes, it was Nizgagal, as he tells his brothers, Hashem planned this whole thing from the beginning. But when you know too much information about the future, it brings upon a person, it brings upon Yosef and his brothers a tremendous din, a tremendous judgment. You want to get to the Geula, you want to get to the point of redemption, it involves great challenges. And interestingly, those challenges become compounded they become much more difficult when you know about the fact that there's an impending geula, there's an impending redemption. Think about it. Let's let's look for a moment. We just went, we re- rewound a bit to the past with Yosef. Let's fast forward a bit to Moshe Rabbeinu and Paro. Moshe says to Paro, "Let my people go. Let them go. They, they're it's time for redemption. It's redemption time. Higi asman 
The time for redemption has arrived. What happens when Moshe Rabbeinu says this to Paro? He's not holding there. He's not up to it. What, I'm going to let go of all of my slaves? And because he's not able to hear it, so what happens to Paro and to all of the Egyptians until they finally, finally are ready to receive the tough news that all of their slaves are going to go out free? They have to endure these ten, these ten makas, the ten plagues of Egypt. So the information that's in front of them is for them an incredibly destructive, a destructive experience, a difficult experience. It brings about the more we are aware of the impending geula, of the impending redemption at that's it's happening. The more the challenge is, the more difficult things become. Yaakov Avinu, he wants to reveal the redemption. Why? I think that it's because he himself had reached a point of personal redemption. He finally went through all of the trials in his life and he reached a moment, a 17-year moment, if we could say, where he was at peace. He had reached his personal redemption. And so when you get to the end of the redemption process, you're like, wow, this is amazing. I want to tell you about your redemption process. I want to tell you when it's going to end for you, when you're going to reach this end point, this moment of redemption. But you see, Yaakov couldn't reveal that because even though he himself had reached a personal redemption, and that redemption process would be reflected in the lives of his children, Maisa Avis Milibonim, they would also go through this. But they're not there yet. Their process is beginning now. Right, as the Pasuk says, until Yaakov died, they were in a certain state of redemption, right? As the Medrash says, I'm sorry. It only began, the Shibut itself, which is the process, wouldn't happen until he passes away, until he's, he's dead. It couldn't start yet. So they were in a state of redemptive state, a, day, a, a, you know, a point along the process, and because it's a spiral, and you hit a moment, which is, oh, we're at the redemption, but then there's another process. Oh, we're at the next point of redemption. And another process, and it goes around and around. Galisal reaches the redemption, but then we have to go through another Galus, another exile, another process to get to the next stage, the next redemptive moment. So Yaakov reached it himself. He wanted to reveal to them when they're going to get to it, but it's not revealed. Why? Because Hashem does not want to reveal it, because the moment it's it's revealed, like with Yosef and his brothers, it pushes the process forward. It moves it forward. It creates the, the friction, the friction, the pain. The pain begins, the challenge begins as soon as the, the process becomes clear to people. With Yosef and his brothers, look what happened when he revealed the dreams. It created the friction which started the ball rolling. Yaakov Avinu wanted to start the ball rolling as well, but that's not what it was meant to be in his lifetime. The ball was not meant to start rolling until after his lifetime. For whatever reason, I'm not coming to explain that, but that's what it seems to me from this Medrash. And in thinking about the second part of the Medrash, which speaks about why can't he talk about his day of death? And I believe that the reason is because when a person speaks of the day of death, the day of death refers to the person's completion, all that he's supposed to accomplish throughout his life. Yes, a person can use the moment of death as a way of waking himself up in order to make sure that he does what's right in the moment of challenge, 
in the moment when it seems like, oh, I'm, I'm steering off of the proper path of where I'm supposed to head. So let me remind myself of where I'm supposed to be headed, what my life is going to look like at the end, that vision of who I want to be. But the danger of mentioning the day of death, besides for the ayin hara of it, or the, we don't, we don't open our mouths to the Satan. Besides for that, there's another aspect of it, which I think is reflected in the first idea, which is, when I mention the day of death, it refers to my personal gula, my completion, my redemption. And there's this, an intrinsic in mentioning something like that, Intrinsic, intrinsic in speaking about my goal, intrinsic in speaking about my dream, intrinsic in speaking about who I want to be, is this roughness, this challenge that sparked, that that creates. Yes, it gets me there eventually. But I have to be careful about how I express it. I have to be careful. Last week we spoke about commitments, and should we make commitments and not make commitments? But this is also, you know, a commitment is a dream. Have to be careful. I'm not saying that we shouldn't make commitments. We should. We have to, but we have to be careful about them because they create a resistance within ourselves. They create a, a darkness comes along with them that we have to be able to get through, to be able to get to the other side of that darkness. When the nations around the Jewish people today see that the redemption is close, it's because of that that they're misguided. Why do they hate us so much? Why are they so angry? Why does Iran want to destroy us? Why does why are the why do the the Europeans and the Americans why do they refuse to clamp down and say you are not going to do this? Because there's a certain intrinsic jealousy. There's something that's going on. Just like the brothers and Yosef, the Jewish people return. The promises of redemption are being revealed in front of their very eyes. Kibbutz Goliath. Seven million Jews are living in Israel. Almost half of the Jewish population of the world. Do you know what this means on a cosmic level? Everybody knows that there's at the root of their souls what it means. It means the redemption is close. And it means that they're not ready for that. They're not ready to give up their spot in the scheme of God's plan. What do you mean? We the Muslims, we are the leaders of the world on the spiritual side. The Western powers, the Christians say, what do you mean? We are the leaders of the world on the spiritual side. They're not ready to allow the Jewish people to take their their correct place. Just like Yosef Atzadik was a leader of the brothers. The Jewish people are meant to be the leaders of the world in a spiritual sense. The nations of the world are not ready to allow that to happen. As soon as they start to see it happening, it makes it makes them nervous. It creates a friction, it creates a resistance. But just like when it came to, when it came to Yosef and his brothers, ultimately that resistance had to be passed through. The darkness had to be walked through until the end, until they got to that point of where Yaakov really indeed sat for seventeen years in, in Shalva, in serenity, in a state of unbelievable spiritual serenity and, and joy, closeness to Hashem, surrounded by his sons and his grandchildren. That also happened in the time of Egypt with that resistance of, of power until the Jewish people were freed to be able to receive the Torah and receive their eternal mission. So too it will be right before Mashiach comes when the Messiah arrives and here we are on the doorstep. There's a resistance to it. Not just a resistance, but there's a refusal on the part of the Ummah Sa'ilam, on the nation of the nations of the world, to admit what's going on. But they see it and they want to stop it. They don't want to allow it to happen. 
And so we will see, Bezrat Hashem, Hashem will reveal who are the true heirs of His spiritual legacy who have remained faithful to Him for 3,300 years and beyond that. Who are the ones? It's the Jewish people who have returned to our homeland to take our rightful place as the leaders of mankind, as the spiritual leaders of mankind. I want to bless you. I ask you to bless me. Hashem should help us to recognize the power of a dream, to recognize the power of a prophecy, of a vision, to know what it involves, to know the danger involved in revealing it to ourselves, to others, to recognize the, the friction that we're going to face as we approach that dream, as we try to get to that goal that we want. Shem should help us to be able to have the fortitude, to be able to get through to the other side, and to be able to withstand the tests that come from all sides of us. Shem should help us indeed to fulfill all of our dreams. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.